Welcome, welcome, geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of Geek to Me Radio. Today we are joined by composer Will Bates talking about his work on the Amazon original movie Bliss starring Owen Wilson and Sam Hayek. Then we'll talk with writer Richard Dinnick about his work on a brand new webtoon comics, Rob, stand by. Finding us for the first time. Thank you for tuning in. My name is James Enstall, the host of Geeks Me Radio. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for continuing to listen. We've got some exciting news coming up about the show that we'll get to later on in the hour, but right now we've got a full show, two great guests. Let's get to it. Right now we're talking with solo artist, multi instrumentalist Will Bates, talking about his work on the upcoming sci fi Amazon original film Bliss. Will, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing very well. Thanks so much for taking the time today. I love talking with composers, and it's like I always say, it's like you guys do math, high-level math, in a foreign language, and it's it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it can get pretty abstract and weird, but uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, so talk a little bit about how you got involved in music. Uh, was it something you've always wanted to do as a child? Is it something you kind of fell into? Talk a little bit about how you got into the industry. Um, God, you know, I think I, um, I think I've always wanted to be a film composer. When I was about five or six years old, I sang the whole score of Star Wars to my parents, and they <laughs> went out and played violin. Um, and then, uh, and I, I was terrible at the violin; I kind of hated it. Um, but then I discovered the saxophone when I was about eleven. Um, and for about, I don't know, for about ten years, I thought I was going to be Cannonball Adderley when I grew up. I right. wanted to be a jazz musician. I got very kind of distracted by various things. Lead singer of a band for a while. I um, produced some techno records in London. But I, I think the thing at the back of my mind was always film music. It was always like my my way in. It was the thing that I kind of got excited about um, the most as a kid. Um, and yeah, I think I, I I got into scoring movies. Initially, I rather naively thought that um, scoring commercials would get me into the film world. Okay. Um, so I did that for a while. And of course, like they, that world has absolutely nothing to do with film music. <laughs> but, um, but it was a good way to kind of cut my teeth. And, um, and I, I trained a lot as a, as a kind of gigging ad person at a place in New York. I was an in-house composer there for about seven years. Um, and then, yeah, slowly got into scoring movies. I scored some short films and then some indie films that went to Sundance. And then gradually the projects kind of got bigger. And, and um, fortunately, I've, uh, I've, I don't know, I've managed to get through life without having a proper job, which is nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the dream right there. I guess so. Yeah. 
<laughs> and having uh, worked on Bliss now, it's a sci-fi movie that kind of takes it back all the way to your love of Star Wars and that kind of planting the seed in the brain. So that's got to be a, a lot of fun for you to now be working on sci-fi projects like Bliss as well as the other projects you're working on. But that's that's a very full circle type of tale. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I think that for composers, we're always so, I don't know, like sci-fi and fantasy tends to be the thing that we all want to do because you just really get to experiment with the palette and it's kind of a a fresh clean slate in some ways um especially a movie like bliss that just required so many different worlds to 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 create so yeah I, i i do think it's always the fun world for us to live in and I, I would assume, and again, this is obviously I've never composed anything, uh, working on a sci-fi or fantasy kind of, I would think, gives the composer a little bit more freedom than if you're working on a drama or a comedy where it's music to kind of fill, but but you, you're you literally creating other worlds with your music. And I would think that's very freeing. That's exactly it. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the palette can just be very broad when you're in that world. And you've worked with Mike Calhoun before, uh, the director from this on, I believe, Another Earth. Am I correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, we've done this is the third movie that we've done together. We did um, Another Earth, which is we met doing that years ago. And then I Origins. And then um, in between I Origins and Bliss, we actually have done four TV shows together. So we've we've done a bunch of projects Um Although there was a big gap for Mike between making the two films, um, he's just made, you know, four four shows in the meantime. So we've kind of really developed a symbiotic relationship, a, a really amazing way of working together that's just sort of almost telepathic at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be very comfortable, too, because obviously if, if he has to bring somebody new on, he kind of has to find that dynamic with the other person. Same with you. If you're being brought on to a new TV show or a movie that you need to compose, you got to kind of find your footing once again. So that's got to, I, I guess, shorten the process, if you will, working with someone yeah, like Mike. That's right. I mean, it's also just a lot based on kind of trust and, and we, there's so much kind of trust and respect and love between us that... um we really uh he really kind of allows me to experiment and and just kind of create in a more fearless way i guess and that's just based on on us knowing each other so well at this point it's um it really is a, a pleasure and an honor to to work with a director on that many projects together you kind of develop a certain way of working that's very special and i got to ask your music production company fall on your sword i got to ask where that name comes from i love origin stories like that Right on. Well, that one is actually a line from um, from Flash Gordon from the uh, the 1980s Flash Gordon. So I, I Fall on Your Sword really began as a kind of video art project and then it morphed into a band. And the, the first collection of songs that I was working on um, were all based on Queen's score to Flash Gordon. OK. I was like sampling little snippets of it. I, honestly, that record never saw the light of day. I think maybe there's like <laughs> one or two tracks floating around out there. But um. But yeah, just the name kind of stuck. And then as things grew, Fall on Your Sword sort of evolved from a video art project and a band into more of a production company. And, you know, now we make art pieces. We do a lot of art installations and all kinds of stuff. And it's also my the name of my production studio in here in L.A. in North Hollywood. 
and you've worked on so many different projects. I mean, across the gamut, we just talked about, obviously, Amazon's uh, original film, Bliss, but Sci-Fi, The Magicians, Hulu's The Path, uh, Rise for NBC, uh, Netflix, Unbelievable, to TV series like Away and Charm, documentaries like World at War that's uh, coming up. Does it each type of project exercise a different part of your composer brain? Do you kind of approach a documentary differently than you would a TV series, differently than you would a film? Yeah, I, I kind of do. I mean, it's funny. I feel like the beginning of a project tends to always be the same in the sense that I'm searching for that sound, that melody, that thing that's unique to that project. But ultimately, once I kind of get further into it, every 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 project is different. And, you know, I, I think with documentaries, it comes down to scale. You know, I, I do a lot of movies for, for Alex Gibney and his his movies tend to be kind of wall to wall score, so it's almost like writing an opera. <laughs> right for, <laughs> for Alex, it's a lot of a lot of music, and that in itself is just a different kind of discipline. Um, and then you know, writing a narrative that's maybe less music, but the the music is more kind of sculpted and more focused in terms of like character and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I approach things. I want to say that at the beginning of a process is probably kind of the same in in the sense of getting that spark of creativity but then as i get into it, it it definitely evolves into its own its own thing its own being and you've got a lot of these works going on so you had a lot of uh pre-production and stuff that's coming into production on your imdb page so it, obviously you're extremely busy with what you're doing you've done so much other stuff like you mentioned when we first started talking saxophone playing uh, you were uh, doing uh, your own band you toured is there, do you feel like this is the chapter of your life you're in? Do you miss touring and actually performing? Or is this kind of like, this is where I want to be now? Or is there that longing for doing other stuff? We'll pause right there, come back and continue our talk with composer Will Bates. Please stand by. This is Sam Jones, Flash Gordon, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Right now, we're talking with solo artist, multi instrumentalist Will Bates, talking about his work on the upcoming sci fi Amazon original film Bliss. Is there, do you feel like this is the chapter of your life you're in? Do you miss? touring and actually performing or is this kind of like this is where i want to be now or is there that longing for doing other stuff that's interesting i mean i gotta say i'm i'm in my early 40s so i gotta say that i'm sort of i'm done with the sleeping in the van (laughs) part of my life i'm happy that i did it i i feel like the i had a band called the rinse which was the band right before fall on your sword and we we really, you know, we kind of dodged success like a group of ninjas for a decade <laughs> playing in New York. And then like we played across the country and it was a way for a Londoner to kind of see America, which was just incredible. And, and we had some amazing experiences. And and I, I feel sometimes I don't miss that life, but I, I guess sometimes I do miss the act of performing. And there's one thing about um, one thing that happened in the process of of scoring Bliss. We uh Towards the end of the process, Mike decided that he wanted to have a song in the in the movie that would be the end titles. And 
as it turned out, he ended up using the song in other places in the movie. But I, I wrote a song for the first time since I think I've been in bands. Mm. I mean, I, God, I want to say for like, I haven't written a song in like six or seven years. And it was like exercising a different part of my brain. It was lovely to, there's a lovely way to finish the process because the song is kind of based on certain elements that are featured in the score. But I was able to call an old friend of mine in London called Sky Edwards, who's from the band Morchiba. And she, um, she ended up singing the thing that I'd written. And it was like, yeah, that was a little taste of the old life, I guess. And it, it's funny because I think, the act of making that song has made me a bit like, oh, I can do that still. <laughs> I could go and do that again. So I don't know. I um, The thought of, um, I think I'm more terrified of playing to an empty room. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, <laughs> Doing yeah. the gig and the, no one shows up. That's more frightening to me than anything, which is pretty pathetic. But yeah. <laughs> and that song you wrote, is that's you and I. That's the original song from Bliss, correct? That's right. Yeah. And so was Sky your first choice as you wrote this? Did you have a certain person in mind or was it was yeah, like, no, no, this I, is the person? I always knew it was going to be her. It's funny because it kind of it, the conversation was very organic. First of all, Mike was like, I want to have a acapella vocal version of the love theme at the end of the movie for the epilogue. And I'm like, OK, great. I've got this fantastic singer. I haven't worked with her for a while. And we'd been in touch, I think, just randomly over email so I asked her to sing the epilogue and we um, we did that. And then and then the idea of the song happened kind of after that. So I already had her in my head and and I asked her if she wanted to do it before I'd written it. So I was basically writing it for her, um, which was I don't know. It's funny. It was like an, another little way for me to kind of use my my composer brain like writing to a brief almost because I knew that I was writing for her. Yeah. Made, made it easier somehow. Um, yeah, it was great. She's amazing. And talked about all the other people you worked with. I, I saw a list of the, the different artists and, and composers and musicians you worked with. I'm an eighties kid. So Mike Rutherford jumped out at me cause I love Genesis, <laughs> love Mike <laughs> and the mechanics. Uh, how, yeah, how is he to work with? He Mike's awesome. I mean, God, I can't, I was trying to tell someone that story of how I got that job and I can't even remember. I, I think I, met Mike through there's a producer called Peter Van Hook and he uh he I think I was he asked me to to produce a singer that he was working with and then I then he introduced me to Mike who was looking for young producers and I was going to do one or two tracks and then I ended up doing the whole album um that was the last job I had in London and I uh it's kind of like the way that I moved to New York. I did that gig and then made some cash and took that cash to New York and was able to sort of survive for a few months without having to suffer too much moving to a different country. But sure. um, Mike's just incredible. You know, I, I, I was so lucky to, I was working at Fisher Lane, which is the, the studio that Genesis bought. Um, and I think Phil, Peter and Mike all bought it together and Tony obviously. And um and Phil used it to record some of his early albums, like No Jacket Required. And it, I was like working in the room that had the, <laughs> you know, the In the Air Tonight drum yeah, room. Oh, yeah. With, like with the concrete walls to get that like crazy Tom sound. You know, all these stories. It was really incredible. And I ended up, I would be 
driven there every morning by by Mike's former roadie, this guy called Dale, and he'd like drive me from London, and I'd end up sleeping in the studio for four or five nights. And at the end of the day's work, I'd like just wander around the studio and just kind of look at all the history and all the incredible equipment. They had like all the old Genesis touring gear, and wow. it was it was really it was something else. So yeah, that's a weird weird little side <laughs> project. <laughs> that makes for some of the best stories though i tell you yeah yeah it's good stuff and so like i said you've worked with so many people is there anybody because you just mentioned you're in your early 40s still plenty of time ahead of you is there anybody who you've not worked with yet who you really want to work with um that's an excellent question i mean there are directors that i'd love to work with um denny villeneuve comes oh, to yeah, mind yeah yeah um, I mean, I'm a I'm a Dune fan as well. I I gather. I think Hans is doing that one, but um, yeah, uh, he would be amazing. I mean, I I you know things are things are kind of constantly evolving, and there's always projects on the horizon that I I can see that I cross my fingers up that the, the uh, that they'll come my way. And last question before I let you go. Like I said, you've got some great projects under your belt from movies and TV series on on these you know award winning projects. Do you have one that if someone was to say, as of this date, what's your favorite project? What would you say? Um, it's always the last one I've just done. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I don't mean that to, to sound diplomatic. I, I genuinely mean that. I, I think I'm lucky enough to keep working with a lot of the same people. And, and you know, the thing that I've just made is always the thing that I'm most in love with. So, And then, you know... I kiss it goodbye and the love fades and then the next thing comes along. So that's sort of generally how that works. I guess as an artist, that helps you too, because you can divorce yourself from what you've done and just completely move on and take your you know, entire stock of the next project. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's funny, like one of the nice things of, uh, of ending a project and it happened with Bliss was that process of making the album. In some ways, that's like this lovely kind of cathartic way of saying goodbye to the process and you can kind of summarize it and you know with, when I made the bliss record I was able to kind of dig in and go through all the music you know the process of making the score just because of COVID and various other things it was like about a year and a half which is one of the longest hmm. periods of time I've ever had to work on something and it it, it wasn't just that it took an, a year and a half to make the music there was like a year and a half of of sketches and little pieces and score for scenes that got cut from the film and things like that so it was making the album is always a lovely way of kind of digging through that folder and being like oh yeah i remember that thing i'm gonna stick that in there so yeah that was a nice way nice uh nice way of kind of summarizing the process i guess and the amazon original film bliss you can catch that streaming on prime and if people want to keep up with you uh, sample some of your work uh talk to you on social media what's the best place website social media handles and all that kind of stuff for you um yeah my instagram is will bates composer and my website is i can't even remember what it is but you can find me on the fall on your sword website fallonyoursword.com yeah that's where everything is perfect uh this has been great continued success to you and if there's other projects coming down the road later we'd love to have you back on thanks for having me My name is Sylvester McCoy. I want you to listen to 
geek to me. Radio. Otherwise, if you don't, I'll cry. Welcome back to Geek to Me Radio. Want to tell you about our official movie sponsor here on the show, Marcus Theaters, marcustheaters.com. You can go to the website, check out what they've got going on. Maybe you want to go see Chaos Walking when it comes out. Uh, the new Tom and Jerry movie, a lot of movies now playing. Uh, you can go to the website, marcustheaters.com, find the closest Marcus Theaters or movie tavern near you. And buy your tickets right there in line if you want to see Raya and the Last Dragon or one of these other great movies that are out. And buy your tickets. You can download the app on your smartphone and order your concessions right there. Get your tickets right there to make it a more contactless experience. Marcus Theaters has gone above and beyond making sure you've got a safe way to go back to the movie theater, which is something I sorely missed during the pandemic. And you can book a private cinema for up to 20 people, so it's people you know, you may have already had in your cluster that you were hanging out with and you kind of weathered the pandemic with, you can all go see a movie. Just that group by a private theater uh, to see one of these great films in. You can get more details on that on the website as well. Lots of locations out there between Marcus Theaters and Movie Tavern. Check out the website, marcustheaters.com. Find the one closest to you, get your tickets, and get back out there and let's see some movies. Right now, we're going to go to our second guest. Right now, we're joined by writer Richard Dinnick. Been on the show a few times before. Last time I saw you, we were at Gallifrey One in Los Angeles before the world stopped. It was It's crazy. Richard, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, and, and very delighted to be back and missing Gallifrey that would have been taking place roughly around now. Yeah, it was just about a year because I think it was over Valentine's Day weekend because I, I got that uh, that look from my wife said, you're going out of town on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Um, but it was, it was, I'm glad I went cause that was the, literally the last convention I attended before everything stopped. Yeah. So I'm so yeah, glad I went too. and it was so much fun. Me too. Definitely. We, uh, we had a blast because I, I usually every year when I fly out, uh, to LA for Gallifrey, uh, one, my wife gives me that look <laughs> and, uh, but this year she came with me. So I got to show her. Uh, Los Angeles and drive around in a convertible Mercedes and and do all that kind of good stuff uh, to make it up to her for the past few years of being out well, in Los nice. Angeles. <laughs> good, good, good. And uh, and you've stayed so busy. Obviously, I know I've talked to a lot of people since lockdown happened. It's one of those things where people are very busy, especially creative types like yourself find a way and we were talking right before we started uh, recording that that's one of the things you kind of have to do is have several things out there and it's like you're spinning plates and juggling all at the same time absolutely you have to have um i think i think roughly well i mean crikey my folders are full of ideas but things uh, projects that are actually with people i reckon you have to have about I don't know, three to five out there at any one time, because you know that a number are going to fall by the wayside. Yeah. They just do. <laughs> um, not that they will never come back, but for the time being, they're off the table. And then, you know, the ones that go forward, go forward. Um, but I found, I found lockdown to be, I think my brain has responded to it mm. by just going, just splurging a whole new raft of ideas. <laughs> uh, out of my imagination, which has been quite handy. <laughs> and one of those ideas uh, that we're going to be talking about today is Rob uh, from Legendary Comics. You're working on this. You've got uh, artist Magda Price and Miguel Sepulveda. Uh, we've yeah. got some fantastic people attached to it. Talk a little bit about Rob. Tell people uh, what it's about. 
So Rob is a reimagining of the Robin Hood mythos. Uh, we basically go far, far, far into the future when the Earth's resources have been depleted. There's no metal in the ground. There's no oil in the ground. And so everything has kind of reverted to feudalism. But there's still bits of old tech. Uh, like So they have solar-powered vehicles, for example, and indeed they have solar-powered airships. But they're not called airships, they're called lift ships in this world. But um, So it's a real mash-up, and I think, I think it's a new genre, I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm claiming it, and we're calling it, <laughs> <laughs> we're calling it Renpunk. I like um, that. Renpunk, that's perfect. And it's, so it, it's very much kind of a... a worlds colliding here you've got like you said the scavenger's modern technology you've got the bows and arrows of the other side it's it's a very interesting time and then it's kind of based on a little lightly the robin hood legend just set in a different era what were some of the challenges you found because obviously you you see this with people who put on shakespeare plays they always want to change the venue change uh, some concepts around to kind of present it in a fresh way which is very much what you're doing what were some of the hurdles and challenges you found in doing this I wanted to, to the two kind of things I wanted to do with with Rob, and one of them was to take him away from the forest, get him out of the woods, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, to do that, we kind of um, decided he was going to go on a quest, and it's also kind of an origin story uh, for him in that uh, he's a young guy, he's probably sixteen, seventeen, uh, and he's setting out on his first mission. Really, and he hasn't—he isn't perfect with a bow and arrow. <laughs> um, there's no way at the beginning of the story that he could do that famous thing of splitting another man's arrow in the target kind of thing. Right. Um, uh, so that was one of the things we wanted to do: was take him out of his comfort zone, get him out of the out of the greenery of the forest, even though he's usually wearing green um, uh, in the comic. Um, and the other thing was to stay at the same time as kind of completely reimagining it was staying very true to the uh, kind of deep mythos and the deep message, I think, of Rob, that, that idea of taking from the rich to give to the poor, that idea of, of a kind of social uh, conscience, I guess, if you will, um, that is very rare in heroes, actually. Uh, most of them aren't that altruistic. <laughs> right. So we definitely wanted to have Rob as a kind of, you know, he is, he looks after the little guy because he's been a little guy. He knows what it's like. And then we talked about how this is being released too on, on Webtoon. And it's, uh, you can follow the Webtoon on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Webtoon Official. So it, it's basically... Like we, we kind of were talking about, it's it's a way to view comics, but they they kind of release them in chapters. So the first three chapters are out now, correct? That is correct. Yeah. And then a new uh, one will launch every how many? We'll pause right there, come back and chat more with Richard Dinnick after this. Please stand by. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, chopping fences, dodging trees, trying to get away. Hi, this is Alex Kingston. Welcome back. No spoilers, but you're listening to Geek to Me Radio. 
Welcome back to geek to me Radio. Talking this hour with Richard Dinnick, writer extraordinaire, on so many great projects. We've had him on the show before, and we're talking to him about his new project, Rob, on Webtoon Comics, which you can get through the app, or you can go online and check it out. And we were asking him specifically how everything with it works. So then we have uh, 26 chapters uh, at the moment, and they will launch. They will launch or drop every week from here on in. So every uh, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 1 a.m. UK time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did stay up for the launch, um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to be we're going to be here for the long haul. We're going to be going into the summer. And I like the way because it, it's it's comics is a very visual medium, and obviously this being translated to the world in which we live, everything's on a tablet or an iPhone. So it's kind of a nice way to have this. Now you can people can I guess you don't have to subscribe to get it, but I'm assuming it's like the thing where you'll get a notification if you are subscribed to Rob on Legendary Comics on Webtoons. Correct? You'll be hey new one about to drop something like that. Definitely, and the, and the great thing is it's totally free. So there, you know, obviously Rob's on there, but there's tons of good content on there. Uh, Webtoon have this thing of, so basically their platform is really aimed at uh, the kind of talented amateur um, who will produce great, you know, great artwork, great stories. There are loads on there that millions of people have subscribed to. Uh, and that's what we're hoping for Rob. And Rob is one of those ones that has been actually commissioned uh, that by Webtoon. They, they're going to pay for digital first content. Uh, and then with Legendary, who are the people who actually published the, the comic, will produce a hard copy graphic novel version uh, in a year's time or so. And with this being a Webtoon official comic, uh, music, obviously, when people are watching this, it's kind of, you, when you're reading a comic book, you might have something on the background, but this actually has music accompanying it in the app, correct? That is right. Yeah, we've, we've um, a, a lot of the creators on there have made their own music or find their kind of um, royalty-free music, but we have uh, engaged the services of a professional um uh, music composer uh, Andrew Edwards, who has done a fantastic job. He is he is literally scoring each chapter individually. So each music uh, uh, score you hear on with the chapter is produced specifically for that. And although it's weird because we are we're doing a, a trailer um, for an upcoming convention, which is obviously going to be a virtual convention. Um, but we're doing a trailer uh, for Rob, and that is where the actual theme tune that he's written, which is incredible, it's, I'm so excited. He did, he has put it uh, um, up on Twitter. Um, he put the two finger version where you're playing the piano with the two fingers. Um, uh, he put that up. But at the end of chapter three, if people are interested uh, online on Webtoon, you can hear the kind of first instance of that, of that theme tune. And it's very lively and it's very upbeat and it's very heroic. And uh, yeah, just big shout out to Andrew Edwards for the incredible job he's done on that. Very nice. And of course you can get the Webtoon app on Apple app store or Google play. When you had this idea, talk a little bit about the genesis of it all. Was this an idea you had and you pitched it to a couple of comic book companies and legendary 
bit or was it something that they kind of said, hey, we'd like uh, someone experienced. Let's get Richard on this. How did the how did the origins of Rob come about as far as uh, the actual project? It was uh, something really close to my heart. Actually, it's always been my project. It's like uh, I I love Robin Hood. It's like it's a British thing. It's a British legend, and he's actually I think uh, kind of the, the first and only British superhero, I guess, because weirdly, and I we I kind of like came up with this with this suddenly sudden realization that all our superheroes, kind of like you know Sherlock Holmes. Um, and, uh, you know, King Arthur, Doctor Who, whoever it is, James Bond, they don't wear masks. Yeah, that's uh, true. And the American superheroes tend to, uh, certainly in the comic books. Uh, the moment they get handsome actors and actresses involved, they kind of want to take the masks off on movies. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but I think Robin Hood is, is our closest thing to a masked uh, vigilante, I guess, taking the law into his own hands um, to kind of save his society uh, from scum and villainy, to nick a Star Wars phrase. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was my uh, uh, kind of baby. And I wanted originally to do a very true to uh, history uh, and I read this, I read, did loads of background reading about, because it would have been set during the last few years of Henry II's reign, um, before we get to King Richard and evil Prince John and all that in the history books. Um, and and in, indeed, people recognise from the various movies and TV shows that have been about Robin Hood. Um, and then I took it to Legendary, and Legendary, and Legendary said to me, it was just one a one line question, which was like, "We love this. Uh, could we put cell phones in it?" <laughs> <laughs> That'll change the time frame dynamically, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I sort of, I totally got what they were saying. What they were saying was, "We want to make this a legendary property, and legendary properties tend to have a have a, a spin on it, a twist on it. It's there's nothing too straight." Um, and uh, so I totally got what they were trying to say. And that's when we came up with the idea of um, an alternative reality. It was at that point. And we went quite a way down the road of developing that and uh, writing it um, until um, uh, Nikita, who is one of the editors there, um, and she's of Asian uh, origin. And she said, look, this isn't, you know, in this day and age, we need to make this more diverse. So I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. That is the one thing that's missing here. Uh, and so we changed it again. Uh, but this time, so we set it far, far, far into the future, as I've described with this uh, depleted earth. And in that way, I've been able to make the British royal family, uh, people of colour, and uh, people of colour in, 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 in Robin Hood's band, and, uh, and that kind of thing, which has been great. So, you know, in the movies and TV versions, we had one person of colour <laughs> uh, in those stories, but this this is very modern, a very modern, almost like I don't know if anyone's seen Bridgerton. Exactly what it crossed my mind, yes. Yeah, it's very colourblind. You know, there's no uh, kind of, oh, they wouldn't be doing that because they're people of colour, or they wouldn't be doing that because they're white people or whatever. It's... It's yeah, it's a rainbow of colors, which is great. 
It, it's amazing how certain uh, TV shows or movies can explain something away so easily and just like, OK, yeah, with just like a simple phrase. Like I know Bridgerton did it because I was kind of in the beginning thinking, well, that's odd. But then they explain it's just this is what happened. I'm like, oh, OK, that's, that explained <laughs> yeah. it. Star Trek did the same thing. I'm like, well, why are they doing this and alternate to reality? Oh, OK, great. <laughs> uh, it's it's easily explained with good writing and uh, and. Talking about good writing, well, we're sitting here talking with Richard Dinner. <laughs> hopefully there is that. But yeah, that's, and I know, like you said, Robin Hood, he always shows up where I was just talking with someone about how he's in an episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Uh, he's yeah. in that Doctor Who, the 12th Doctor episode. So I didn't, I didn't really think about, but Robin Hood being so embedded in the British consciousness, I hadn't really given that much of a thought, but that, that makes a lot of sense now that, like you said, yeah. he's your original superhero. Yeah, and, and he's yeah, and not, uh, he's he's all over the UK in terms of and various bits of the UK kind of claim him uh, for themselves. But he's also all over the US, like you say, the Next Generation episode, which is one of the best episodes, is where really Q is. <laughs> uh, Q takes the crew of the Next Generation and uh, out of the holodeck and into a kind of real Sherwood Forest. And has one of my favourite wharf lines in it ever. <laughs> of you know, him saying, "I am not a merry man." <laughs> yeah, it, it's really, really a, a great. I mean, and like I said, they they, they always seem to use it so perfectly. Uh, so let me ask you this: of all the actors, we've got, actually had a lot of people that we've seen through the movies, TV. Do you have a favourite Robin Hood actor? And we'll take our last break. Come back and get that answer from Richard Dinnick right after this. Please stand by. We're better than tights. Great hair. May the force be with you. This is Susan Eisenberg, voiceover actress, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio. Welcome back for our final segment of Geek to Me Radio. I want to express my very profound thanks to the city of St. Charles. That's the Greater Convention and Visitors Bureau of St. Charles. You know them by the website that I'm always telling you that you should go visit. DiscoverStCharles.com. That's DiscoverSTCharles.com for a great, great place to visit with all the stuff there is to see and do, all the places to eat, the attractions, the fun you will have. If you've not visited before, once we get vaccinated and people are more willing to travel it's a great place to go see. Have drinks at the Tompkins House. Have dinner at Salt and Smoke. You can go shopping all along Main Street. Plenty of things to do. Maybe try your luck at the casino. There's not a bad choice to be had amongst all the things there are to see and do. If you're an outdoors type, maybe you want to jog or bike the Katy Trail, uh, play Frisbee with your dog in Frontier Park, just go and have a good time. Just explore all the historic attractions. Go to the website, plan your trip now, discoverstcharles.com, and we always say it's an historically good time. Very, very happy to have them as our premier sponsor and the people who have been with us since the very beginning. The show would not be possible without their support, so make sure you support them. Discoverstcharles.com. Before we took that last break, we were talking with Richard Dinnick, and we asked him, since he's working on this Webtoons project, Rob, we asked him, obviously, the question, who is your favorite Robin Hood actor? Oh, wow. Um, okay, so this is tricky. But I I remember seeing, and I think this is probably where I got my love for it, I remember seeing the Errol Flynn movie mm. when I was a kid. And I was just so 
you know, no one, I think my mother used to say, no one can buckle their squash like Errol Flynn. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that certainly is true, I think. And that is, it's so, um, I think he encapsulated, he just caught for me. And that's what I've tried to emulate, that kind of slightly cocky persona, that slightly, and, I, and I've come up with this kind of pithy uh, way of describing him now that he's a scoundrel, he's a scallywag, and he's a scamp. That you know, he's kind of like he was Han Solo before Han Solo. Uh, yeah, kind of. You know, he was an outlaw. He was a rebel. Um, he's he's that kind of, and, and Errol Flynn played it so well. Uh, it's played up to that kind of. He's he's very confident. He's very able. Uh, of course, you know, back in those days, you know, when, when men were men, right? Uh, uh, and he was very much a man. <laughs> um, so I think you know he's definitely up there as probably my favourite portrayal. But I have to say, I really and I know I'm going to get beaten across the head for this, but I really love Prince of Thieves. Oh yeah, um, I think that movie has huge heart, a great, great soundtrack, and um, and a great cast actually. Alan Rickman, come on! Care. Well, exactly, Alan Rickman, Morgan Freeman, and I don't care about the accent. I really don't. <laughs> no, uh, he's actually. I think he's quite a good Robin Hood. He's kind of quite, um, but he's grown up. You see, this is the Robin Hood that you know, kind of almost at the beginning of of Rob. My story, we have the kind of cocky Errol Flynn, and by the end we have the kind of slightly more reflective Kevin Cosner, <laughs> who's seen conflict and battle and, and kind of come out the other side. Um, but, yeah, so those those two are kind of my touchstones, and, of course, I can't not mention um, Robin of Sherwood, which was a seminal uh, TV show, uh, over here in the UK, I don't know if it was in the States, but it, it starred uh, Michael Prade as Robin Hood originally, um, who then went on to be in, I think it was da uh, Dynasty, um, and uh, and then we, we had Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son, uh, take over from him. There wasn't a regeneration scene. It was <laughs> one Robin Hood uh, kind of sacrificed himself, but there was another one waiting in the wings. It was very, very cleverly done. And that uh, it's had a, a definite influence on me all these years. Uh, and I, 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 that is kind of a touchstone as well for me. And I know talking about Sean Connery uh, in Robin and Marion with Sean Connery yes. and Audrey Hepburn. I've still got a copy of that on VHS, I will claim. That is a great movie as well. <laughs> But it's, that is a great movie. and I love how this legend, there's so many ways they, and they do the same thing with Arthurian tales and things like that. The yeah. Knights of the Round Table, there's so many ways to spin it because obviously no one was live to go. Well, that's not historically accurate. So it, it's one of those things. That's, <laughs> it's so much fun to play with. Yeah, right. Exactly. And no one can say, well, it was actually these dates or and, and there's certain there's, there's you know, very, very little evidence for Robin Hood actually existing. That he's this big kind of. Uh, uh, conflation or amalgamation of, of characters and uh, both both real and imagined uh, in British folklore. Um, so it's, it is, you know, we can play reasonably fast and loose with it without, I hope, offending anyone too much. 
and again, alternate reality. So I, you've covered your base right there by saying here, here's where we are. I don't think if anybody has a gripe about it, then they really need to kind of, you know, sit down and read the story first before they, before they say anything, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we even we even discussed because it's set far, far in the future. We even discussed a kind of like um, uh, the, the movie Mister Holmes yeah. has that great scene where uh, Sir Ian McKellen goes into the into the movie theater and he watches a Sherlock Holmes movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we kind of discussed having that kind of maybe that moment happened where Rob is watching the Errol Flynn movie. Um, uh, and we, yeah, we're, we're still playing around with it, but yeah, it's not in it's not in this version. But uh, we'll we'll see. Maybe if there's a if there's a sequel, who knows? Perfect. <laughs> Let's hope so. And obviously, you're always staying busy. We talked to you before about uh, Lost in Space, and I know people are talking about that. That third season will be the final season. And you said when we talked off air earlier that there's a like a uh, companion comic book coming out as well with that. Talk a little bit about uh, where things stand with that, if you can. Yeah, sure. So we we uh, immediately kind of season one wrapped. Uh, the producers wanted a comic book um, and legendary because they were the guys who who uh, had produced the Lost in Space show um, with ones to do it. And uh, they came to to me and said, "Would I would I would I like to do it?" And I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> and um, and so we we've done three volumes so far uh me and uh, brian uh bucoletto and um we've got one more to go and that will drop as soon as the show uh, the new series uh, season comes comes out so i don't know when that will be i can't like say anything that's going to be an exclusive here i'm afraid um but we think it'll be towards the end of this year beginning of next and with with anything, I should say, everything else you've got going on, is there anything else uh, that you want to let people know about uh, that you currently have out that you'd like to promote, uh, where people can find you online, all that good stuff? Uh, yeah, sure. You can follow me on on Twitter at Richard Dinnick, uh, R-I-C-H-A-R-D-D-I-N-N-I-C-K. Uh, my website's uh, the same, www.richarddinnick.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Instagram. You can track me down. Uh, there's nothing I can really talk about right now, but if you follow me on those uh, socials, then then you will be able to find out as soon as something is is reportable. <laughs> Good enough. And of course, we want to make sure you follow Legendary Comics at Legendary Comics on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, if you want to check out Rob on Webtoon, Webtoon social handles are at webtoon official on instagram facebook and twitter and you can download the webtoon app from apple app store and google play richard as always it's a great pleasure to talk to you uh down the road hopefully we can talk again soon without having to wait another year for a convention <laughs> <laughs> i hope so james it's been a real pleasure as ever and i hope we get to meet uh in a in the, in the bar of a hotel <laughs> that sounds Sometimes perfect I, i'll buy the first round <laughs> oh I well in that case i'll definitely be there <laughs> <laughs> richard dinnick thanks again for your time have a great day Thanks, James. That's going to wrap it up for me. Our thanks once again to composer Will Bates. Make sure you check out his Amazon original project, Bliss, where he scored that entire film. Make sure you also check out Rob on Webtoons. Follow Richard Dinnick. My thanks to him, as always. And big announcement, we've got a brand new show coming to KTRS. That's 5.50 a.m. here in St. Louis. You can check it out online. Stream it at KTRS.com. Sundays at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. You can check out the show and listen to us 
live. We've got our brand new show with our first sensational guest, Susan Eisenberg, the voice of Wonder Woman herself. So make sure you check that out next week. Thank you, as always, to Joey V, who has made this show possible and keeps it going week after week after week. And thank you all for listening and following us on Twitter and Instagram at geek me Radio, Facebook.com slash geek me Radio. Until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound. Sherwood Forest, good night. Hi, this is James Enstall, host of Geek Me Radio, and in honor of my favorite Themyserian, I've decided to become an Amazon warrior. Harold, give me strength. The next time you want to buy something from Amazon, go to geektomeradio.com first and click on our Amazon affiliate link. Simply shop like you normally would, and when you check out, a small percentage will go towards supporting the show. So remember, the next time you want to search Amazon for the latest Wonder Woman graphic novel or 